0: normal broadcasting has been discontinued coming to you from portland oregon the sports business capital
1: of north america keep your radio tuned to this frequency
0: you're listening to sports business radio now your host i tell you i've never seen anything like that guy
1: brian Berger. well thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports glad you could join us this week In segment three, we're going to catch up with Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Swangard is recently back from China, where he took in the sold out Paralympic Games, which took place in the Olympic venues in Beijing. So we'll discuss China and several other topics, including the slumping economy. That's with Paul Swangard in segment three. In segment four, Andy Kamenetsky of the LA Times. He writes a blog called Blue Notes. It's devoted to the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's going to join us to discuss the impact of Manny Ramirez on the Dodgers. Since Manny's arrival in LA, he has revived the Dodgers franchise and he's helped them sell a ton of tickets, a lot of number 99 jerseys. There's even senior citizens Wearing dreadlock wigs to the game. So, this is all new to the Dodgers, and they are on the doorstep of their first World Series appearance since 1988. We will talk to Andy Kamonetsky from the LA Times about Manny Ramirez, Joe Torrey, and the impact of the Dodgers in segment four. A couple of other notes visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, It's playoff time, and we'll get to the numbers for the TV ratings in our headline segment, but, you know, I'm surprised. The ratings are down pretty sharply, and we had the big market teams, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Angels, the Dodgers, and uh, the Phillies, but the ratings are still down, and it's amazing because the NFL still dwarfs even the Major League playoffs And, uh, you know, NFL still reigns supreme when it comes to TV. Do you hear that, Brian? That's the sound of my heart breaking
2: that the Chicago Cubs go out in the first round. And I really think that that's why the ratings are down. I think that a lot of people, the casual fan, wanted to see if the Cubs could pull it off after 100 years. And now that they're out, or even that once it looked like they were going out early, people stopped
1: tuning in. But as we will discuss, even the people who tuned in to watch the Cubs, the ratings for Bears games were far greater and far higher than ratings for Cubs and White Sox. We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about our good friend, Pac-Man Jones. He's in the headlines yet again. We'll address that in headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where Sports Business Education got its start at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. Back to Sports Business Radio
0: with Brian Berger.
1: It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the Major League Baseball playoffs are upon us. We're now into the League Championship Series. And the first round, Nathan, down 27% from last year on TBS. Now, a lot of people argue that, well... TBS, people don't find TBS because it's not network. It's not like Fox or it's not even like ESPN. It's harder to find. It's not on as many cable systems. But I disagree with that. And I think in this day and age, you can find TBS if you want to find them. I think they're on as many cable systems as ESPN. And TBS averaged a 3.2 cable rating. That's about 4.3 million viewers for the 15 games in Major League Baseball's divisional series. And as we said in our first segment, you know, there were some good teams involved from some big markets. You had the Cubs, you had the White Sox, you had the Los Angeles Angels, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Phillies. I mean, really, the only small market team is Tampa Bay. So to see that the ratings are down 27%, I would be concerned if I was TBS and Fox And I'd be concerned if I was Major League Baseball. Well, concerned? I'm shocked, frankly. I mean, if you look at the teams that
2: started in this, you mentioned the Cubs, you mentioned the Red Sox. Those are two of the most iconic teams in baseball. And if the Yankees had made it, that would have been the only other team I would have added. But the fact that you have these huge big market teams with a huge following and the ratings are down that much is absolutely shocking to me. Now, if you look at last year, yes, it was on Fox Coming into it, but look at the game they had—the playoff game with the Rockies winning to make it into the playoffs. I think a lot of people jumped on the Rockies' bandwagon, and a lot more people tuned in.
1: Well, and the other thing that's pretty astounding, and it just shows how much the NFL reigns supreme, is last Sunday we saw some of these baseball games go head to head with the NFL games, and the NFL games by a two to one margin outdrew and outrated. Major League Baseball games. So, for example, the Phillies Brewers played, and they went head-to-head with the Falcons and Packers, and it's not that compelling of a game. It's not Packers-Bears or anything like that, and Falcons-Packers drew a a 28.7, and the baseball game had a a 12.7. So, I mean, basically, again, NFL is doubling what Major League Baseball's playoff ratings are, and we're talking regular season games for the NFL.
2: Well, and look at Chicago. You know, the Rays and the White Sox from Chicago played in game three of the ALDS, and that game got a 9.6 rating, and then you compare that to the Bears-Lions games, which gets a 21.9 rating. Those are both teams from Chicago, one of which is in the playoffs.
1: Right. So, again, bears supreme, Even though, you know, the Bears are having a decent season, but it's early in the season. It's the first quarter of the season, and you would think that people in Chicago, if they had the choice, would be watching baseball, playoff baseball, instead of the NFL, but it's not the case. Our second headline, New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady underwent surgery on his left knee this week, a month after he was sidelined with season-ending injury on his knee. Now, you know, it's interesting, Nathan, the NFL this year— we were just talking about the good ratings, but I just, it's a weird season. First of all, it's the first season in a long time where I feel like it's wide open and anyone could win. I mean, my gosh, uh, Washington looks pretty good right now. The Redskins, I mean, they've beaten the Cowboys and the Eagles in the last two weeks, and who saw that coming at the beginning of the year? Peyton Manning looks to be the second best Manning this year. Eli, 5-0, and is playing very, very well, and... You know, Tom Brady's not the star because he's out. Ladanian Tomlinson in San Diego is, is not doing great. Uh, Randy Moss isn't doing great because uh, Tom Brady's out. So it's just a, a season where the stars aren't really shining in the NFL. Well,
2: especially given the hype coming into the season. You have know, Favre coming back and Tomlinson and, you know, Randy Moss and uh, Terrell Owens and it's just surprising that it's doing so poorly, and you're right. It is wide open. If you ask me to pick who I thought was going to be in the Super Bowl right now, I honestly don't know that I could give you a legitimate answer. The Patriots were the dominant team last season, and even though the Giants are 5-0, and I don't know that they're going to be in the, in the uh, Super Bowl.
1: So the good news for Pats fans and for Tom Brady is it looks like he will be back on the field probably by next May around the time that the Pats are headed to minicamp. So... Uh, things are looking up for the Patriots and for Tom Brady. Our next headline, the Mets say they have sold out of their luxury suites at City Field. The suites are going for as much as half a million dollars a year. Now, to me, this is a big story because we're in a terrible economy right now, and we're talking about corporations that are having to cut back on their expenditures, yet the new Mets ballpark is claiming that all of their suites are sold out And they're going for half a million dollars a year. I guess what it means is in the big cities like New York, Boston, Chicago, they can still command these prices. But in Milwaukee, Tampa Bay, Portland, Oregon, Kansas City, places like that, that's probably where you're going to feel the slumping economy. Well, I don't want to get into any political issues on this show, but let's face it. The fact is that.
2: There's a lot of really wealthy people out there that are not going to be affected the same way the average Joe fan is by this, and they can afford to go out and buy half a million dollar suites.
1: Staying in New York with our next headline, the Yankees had planned a concert for November 9th as a final farewell to Yankee Stadium, but the organization this week says that a less than memorable lineup has caused them to bag the celebration. I guess they were going after... Such names as Bruce Springsteen, Jay-Z, Paul McCartney, Billy Joel, uh, Peter si- or Paul Simon. So some big names, and they weren't able to pull it together. So now Yankee Stadium, the game that we saw on September 21st, that was the last event that we will ever see at Yankee Stadium. Again, Yankee Stadium will not be demolished. The wrecking ball won't come through there until next summer. They have security around the clock because of looters that are trying to go and Get a piece of memorabilia at Yankee Stadium. Maybe you, Nathan, you said you're headed uh, to New York, and you might try and be one of those looters. I'm going to be there in two weeks. I don't know that
2: I'm going to risk getting arrested for a piece of Yankees history, but I'm going to ask you this, Brian, because a couple weeks ago you mentioned that you were happy about the last event taking place in Yankee Stadium being a baseball game, and it looks like that's actually going to happen now rather than a concert. What are your feelings?
1: Yeah, I mean, the concert would have been cool, but... It's Yankee Stadium. It's the house that Ruth built, so I think it's fitting that the last event is a baseball game. Our last headline of the week, the Clippers this week in Los Angeles. You know, another horrible owner, along with Al Davis, I'd put Donald Sterling, the owner of the Clippers, in that class, and after being around since 1986, GM Elgin Baylor was dismissed, and Mike Dunleavy is now going to be the GM and coach of The Clippers, and we've seen how well it works out when uh, people try and be the GM and the coach. Like, never. It doesn't work out at all. Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah Thomas. Pat Riley has tried it. Larry Brown has tried it. Numerous people have tried it, and it usually doesn't work out very well. I don't think it's going to work out very well in L.A., but I guess you have low expectations anyways. People aren't expecting a lot from the Clippers. All right, our old friend Pac-Man Jones is back in the spotlight this week. And we have a little special segment that we like to do when our good friends are in trouble in the sports world. For an in-depth
0: analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Crosslights.
1: Adam Pac-Man Jones. He wants to just be called Adam Jones. He will forever on this show be known as Pac-Man because he does things like this. Pac-Man Jones has security with him at a private event on Tuesday night in Dallas, and I guess he and his security guard are joking around a little bit, and the security guard is an off-duty police person who's part of the security duty assigned to Pac-Man Jones because he has so much attention on him because, A, he's a Dallas cowboy, and B, he's been in trouble with the law 13 times before. So he and his security guard get into a physical altercation that spills into a women's restroom, And they do damage to a mirror. Now, this week, Jerry Jones had a press conference. And Jerry Jones, there's a lot of good things about Jerry Jones. But one of the worst things about Jerry Jones is that he has always enabled trouble athletes, whether it's Michael Irvin, whether it's Pac-Man Jones. Deion Sanders even? Yeah. and, And he enables them. He turns the other cheek. There's no disciplinary action coming down from Jerry Jones against Pac-Man Jones here, and Pac-Man Jones causes a black eye and a distraction for the organization this week, and Jerry Jones turns the other cheek, and then he thinks that Pac-Man Jones isn't going to get in trouble again, and there's not going to be time number 15. I think Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, needs to step in and uh, reprimand Pac-Man Jones and say, look, you're on a short leash, buddy. You better shape up, or I'm going to suspend you Yet again, I'm sick and tired of these owners like Arthur Blank, who enabled Michael Vick for so long, and now Jerry Jones is enabling Pac-Man Jones. These guys aren't worth it. Well, yeah, and if it was a race between
2: Ricky Williams and Pac-Man Jones to see who wins the most Caught in the Crosslights awards, it'd be a dead heat right now, but... Pac-Man Jones, he's a virus to any team I think he's with, any organization. Letting him back into the NFL was a mistake the same way that letting Ricky Williams back into the NFL was a mistake, and it's such a waste of talent. That's the biggest disappointment about both these players. Both players are very talented. It's a complete waste.
1: I have no sympathy at all for Pac-Man Jones. He goes into a Las Vegas strip club, makes it rain, there's a altercation that breaks out, gunshots are fired, and there's a bouncer that's paralyzed today while this guy goes out and makes millions of dollars. I will always have a problem with that. All right, coming up next, Paul Swangard, the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, just back from China. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the slumping economy. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio.
0: or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio.
1: We are back, and I am joined on the phone by our good friend Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, thanks for making time for us.
4: Always great to be on, Brian. Thanks.
1: So you're just back from China. I'm sure you got a little bit of jet lag, but uh, tell us about your trip out there. I know you uh, took in the the Paralympics, and they used a lot of the Olympic venues. Tell us about that.
4: Sure. Well, you know, you were part of the the trip we did in 2007, and uh, you know, just to see the uh, uh, the city of Beijing in uh, in what really was still the Olympic City model was uh, was just amazing. I mean, forty billion dollars of uh, investment in facilities and uh, the largest pool of volunteers you've ever seen. And uh, uh, for those who have been to Beijing, it's, it was really kind of a Disneyland version of the city. Uh, at no time was I ever asked uh, to buy a watch or, uh, huh. uh, or, or proposed to have a, a massage. And uh, at the same time, really, I think the city embraced uh, what it meant to host the Olympics and uh, just witnessing... Um, you know, competition, uh, in this case the Paralympics and the bird's nest and the water cube and, and just kind of walking around the Olympic green and seeing it firsthand was uh, really special. I've been going over there now for the last eight years, and uh, and this really was a culmination of uh, a lot of uh, not only the country's hopes and dreams, but certainly the dreams of a lot of the population that really wanted to see China Uh, have its coming out party, and I think most people think it was uh, successful in many respects.
1: Now, the bird's nest seats over 90,000 people, and I know you told me in our conversations off the air that for the Paralympics, it was general admission. What was that like? That must have been (laughs) a, a wild scene.
4: Well, <laughs> anyone, I guess, who's been to a festival rock concert can uh, <laughs> can relate. It, uh, you know, it was special for, for most and, and a lot of us who watched the regular Olympic Games uh, watched and also heard about some of the issues related to empty seats in the venue. In this case, it was really about uh, the citizens of Beijing and also the citizens of China having an opportunity to go. And when they when they you know, gave tickets out. They didn't give any more tickets than there were seats in the venue and it was really remarkable to see how every person who got an opportunity to go to an event um saw that as a, you know a, a unique opportunity and went and cheered and had a great time but um when you don't have an assigned seat and you're fighting ninety in this case ninety thousand nine hundred and ninety nine other people for wow. a seat, um it creates some interesting issues and uh at the same time, uh, was just a wonderful atmosphere, and uh, and you know when you saw a Chinese athlete compete, um, you really saw uh, you know the, the kind of home field advantage that uh, you know you could only have in a in a home country in Olympic games.
1: Well, while you were visiting China, I'm sure you were paying attention. Stateside, the U.S. economy was falling apart, and we were losing trillions of dollars in the stock market, and obviously, Paul, this has an effect on the sports world. How do you think the sports world is going to be hit hardest by what we're seeing on Wall Street?
4: Well, you know, it's been the common refrain over the years that sports has been recession-proof, but this really will be one of the true tests. I mean, I think the uh, there's many dimensions you can look at that the economy will, I mean, not the least of which just that, you know, fans are, are probably looking at how they spend their discretionary dollar and, and asking maybe hard questions about, you know, can I really afford uh, to pay? you know, to spend my money on, in this case, entertainment. So I think a lot of the properties are really going to have to work hard to maintain good relationships with their consumers, work with the season ticket holders they have to make sure that, uh, you know, in in some cases, these properties, these sports teams are their own, you know, bank and lender, you know, giving, uh, you know, tickets in advance in hopes that, uh, you know, they'll eventually be paid for by their season ticket base. And then the other thing that we're all really watching is, you know, the impact it will have on corporate sponsorship. You have, uh Companies like Wachovia that have naming rights on facilities that uh, will, will likely change because of the uh, change in ownership and acquisition, and um, I think some of the sports uh, that see a lot of um, money from the financial services sector, uh, golf, tennis, being uh, you know two examples, you know, will be challenged by uh, a lot of companies that won't be able to say it's business as usual. And unfortunately, when a lot of companies look to carve. Uh, something out of their expense side, they look at their marketing budget first. And for sponsorship, which has often been uh, hard to measure their effectiveness, though it's getting better over time, that may be one of those things that uh, companies take a hard look at.
1: We're joined by Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. You can find more about the Warsaw Center. Just go to warsawcenter.com. They have a new blog, by the way. It's pretty cool. You should uh, check that out. You can find it by linking through our blog or just go to warsawcenter.com. Paul, let's talk about the NHL. I know you're a big fan of the NHL. They get their season underway this week. What are the big storylines sports business-wise for the NHL as they start their season?
4: Well, I mean, there's, there's a number of issues to watch uh... Those who follow the sport know that they started their season this year over in Europe, and there's a continuing discussion. I think Gary Bettman, Bettman has been very bullish on the idea of eventually putting um, a number of teams in the NHL in Europe, which is uh, basically ripping off an idea from his old boss, David Stern, who's been right. talking about that for a long time. Um You know, on the financial side, the strength of the Canadian dollar has changed the competitive landscape for the Canadian teams north of the border. They have uh, often been penalized by the fact that they um, could not generate as much revenue as their uh, uh, south of the border counterparts, so that changed the landscape a little bit. Um, You know, you're witnessing a lot more, um, you know, marketing initiatives behind the league. Uh, John Collins, the former... uh, Uh, NFL marketing guru is now in the league office and has brought some of the ideas that he had brought into the NFL. So opening a night concert with Def Leppard, a lot of, uh, you know, cultural relevance type of activities, trying to get people exposed to the sport of the NHL and make it look hip and relevant. Um, there's talk about a franchise in Las Vegas and, you know, they're a few years now into their new CBA. There's, um, there's an opportunity now for the, the league or the union to, uh, opt out of that agreement and start renegotiating. And so we're we're seeing all the sort of unique elements of, uh, of a property that coming out of what was the first property in the history of pro sports to shut down for an entire year because of a labor issue, um, having come back with a lot of positive storylines. And they're just hoping that it now continues.
1: You lost me at Def Leppard and hip and relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, talk about verses. I mean, they made some progress last year with their TV ratings. I mean, you know, they're still getting beat by the spelling bee and events like that, but they are making progress with TV ratings. Do we think uh, we'll see even more progress made this year and traction for them on verses?
4: Um, I, you know, I still don't think so. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm jaded somewhat by having grown up around the sport and, and just thinking about my own viewing habits. I think it's it's really hard. Um, though there are some. Iconic stars now in Sydney Crosby and you know, Ovechkin, um, in Pittsburgh and Washington respectively, that people would tune in to watch a uh, game of the week. I think, it, you know, at the end of the day, most fans would say they'll watch, um, all the games of their favorite team and maybe some of the playoffs if their team is or is not in that uh, run for the Stanley Cup and are hard pressed to make time for some of that other stuff. I, I still think, and I think most people that I, um, uh, you know, I listen to that. That follow the NHL still believes that uh, this is a league that needs to be on ESPN. They need that American good housekeeping stamp of approval that you know versus quite simply cannot provide. And uh, hey, with Lance Armstrong coming back to the Tour de France, uh, you know you're you're running the risk of versus getting uh, excited about the sport of cycling more so than the sport of hockey. But uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic, and you, you can't fault the league for the decisions that they made with versus and NBC, but. You know, I just still think that there's something about being on ESPN that uh, brings a, a level of legitimacy to your sport that when you're not the number one sport in town, it's uh, it's a critical ingredient to have.
1: Paul, tell us the latest from the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center.
4: Um, you know, running into, uh, you know, the, the season where we're talking to a lot of folks who are interested in uh, getting uh, a better understanding of what it might be to be a, a student in our program, we have uh, – uh, our application process that begins towards the latter half of the year for our two-year uh, MBA program. Uh, a lot of exciting you know, plans in, in the works, uh, some interesting projects and consulting projects with industry partners, some research initiatives that we're really excited about. I have Declan Bolger, the former chief marketing officer of the Portland Trail Blazers, um, teaching in our uh, MBA curriculum this year, Greg Olson, the CFO of the Blazers, is uh, helping us out at the undergraduate level. So a lot of great industry partnerships and uh, uh, still dabbling in China. Even though the Olympic Games are over, we're still doing a lot of work with them, uh, trying to help understand what the next phase of growth will be in China. And uh, as we'll probably follow, the next uh, few years will be really interesting times in a lot of sports markets outside of the United States.
1: No, you're definitely correct. And in our neck of the woods, 2010 Vancouver, uh, you know that's going to be interesting to watch the Winter Olympics there. Paul, always great to catch up with you. Go to warsawcenter.com for more information about Paul and the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Paul, will catch up with you next month. Sounds good, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection, not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu, and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to Morton's.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with
0: those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Sports Business Radio.
1: My guest is Andrew Kamenetsky. He does the Blue Notes blog with his brother, for the LA Times you can go to the LA Times website latimes.com go to sports and look for the Blue Notes section. Andrew thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio.
3: Hey thanks for having me on.
1: Andrew tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how long you've been doing the Blue Notes blog uh, for the Dodgers. I mean you know a lot of bloggers aren't given access like regular journalists are but it looks like you guys have some terrific insight on the Los Angeles Dodgers.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool and unique setup. Uh, my brother Brian and I, this is our third season covering the team, and it's sort of like, in, in our minds, a beat writer's access, and they're uh, following the team. We're basically at every single home game, and we've been traveling for the playoffs, but we're allowed a blogger's or a columnist sensibility in that, you know, we can pick topics the way we want, we can... Write stuff that's a little bit funny or offbeat. It doesn't have to be kind of you know just the facts, ma'am, and a little bit you know beat writery, straightforward. We're we're allowed to kind of do what we want and have fun with it.
1: Speaking of offbeat, I want to talk to you about former Boston Red Sox star Manny Ramirez. I mean, what an incredible addition he's been to the Dodgers since arriving in L.A. on August 1st. He's hit three ninety seven since joining the Dodgers, 17 home runs, 53 RBIs, and 187 at-bats. He's got a .489 on-base percentage. Have you ever seen a player put a team on his back like Ramirez has over the past few months with the Dodgers?
3: You know, it's interesting. I, to me, it's not even so much about the way he has put a team on his back as the way he shaped the team almost in his own image. This Dodger clubhouse and this rock hole, very workmanlike, very serious, and I think in a lot of ways really needed a of energy and sort of that reminder and permission really to have fun with it and to enjoy themselves. And with Manny I think came that latitude that that, that they were allowed, you know what, go out there, play baseball, and actually have fun. And for all of them, I I think it feels like a – a leash or a vice grip has been taken off all of them because the, the clubhouse is literally night and day different, and that happened the the minute he showed up. I mean, the first minute when he put on pregame music on his iPod.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Joe Torre, obviously a pretty buttoned-up guy, very professional. Don Mattingly, Larry Boa, you know, and then you bring in Manny Ramirez, who's kind of the the class clown and just very uh, loosey goosey, but. Boy, can the guy rake! And and like you said, you can see a noticeable difference. It it just looks like the team is playing so much looser uh, and and having fun a lot more, and it seems like the results have been uh, very worthwhile. Obviously,
3: well, the one thing Joe Torre has talked about, and you know, I think he's never been wild about pregame music. Certainly, Manny's hair is not to his. You know, it's it's not his first choice for cuts. But I think you know Torre has said repeatedly, and I think this is one of the reasons that he kind of down with what Manny does, is that Manny's pregame preparation and his approach to at-bats in the game itself is among the best he's ever seen. And he's at the cage early. He's always got a plan every single at-bat. And I think a lot of his teammates, especially the younger guys, have taken a cue from that and really looked at, you know, the reason this guy can sort of get away with the idea of, you know, working hard, playing hard is because for all the playing, he, you know, the playing and the goofing around and, you know, Manny being Manny, he really does take his game to another level, and he really does play a very intelligent brand of baseball.
1: He, he's intelligent, and, you know, like you talk about his preparation, but I just, ever since I've watched the guy since he was a young guy, he's a hitting savant. I mean, the guy can just hit like nobody's business.
3: That, that golf ball swing, that, that golf shot swing, against chicago was i mean that literally just left everybody around jaw dropped i mean that that's something that was about an inch away from bouncing and to actually hit it much less hit it out of the park is ridiculous and then you know his other home run cleared a dead center fence by i don't know 30 to 50 feet i mean it's just it's ridiculous
1: Yeah, I mean, the only other player I was telling a friend, the only other player that I can think of that could have hit that golf shot was maybe Vladimir Guerrero, who's a great bad pitch hitter. But you're right. I mean, that truly shows uh, Manny Ramirez's talent. Let me ask you this. You know, there's so many stars in L.A., and there's so many – head cases, Britney Spears, yeah. Tom Cruise, you know, it's almost like Manny goes from Boston to L.A. and he just fits in with everyone else. But in Boston, he was under such a microscope. Do you think that has something to do with maybe he's playing better now because he doesn't feel the pressure that he felt in Boston?
3: Um, I mean, I don't know. It's a different in L.A. than Boston. I mean, you know, as much as L.A. is part of that, you know, paparazzi medium, we, we love to catch our our stars doing everything from something... Get him in trouble to just taking out their trash it's a, it's a less i think harsh media, and you know he also hasn't had as much time to sort of wear out his welcome or hold as many shenanigans in front of the in front of the l a media but I, you know i I think he's probably more comfortable here. I think he is without question on his best behavior i i don't mean that to him that it's all an act or that he doesn't care about the team's success. I think he does, but I think he's also very much trying to say the right things, do the right things, and really do nothing that could possibly bring more ammo to him, especially as you know he's looking for another contract. Well, you bring up a good point. I mean,
1: he hasn't really faced any adversity yet, so I wonder, you know, if the Dodgers do find themselves facing some adversity uh, in the NLCS how he might respond to that. Is he going to pack it in and, and start lollygagging like he was in Boston, or is he going to be a true team leader and, and continue to persevere? That's uh, the big question, I guess.
3: First of I all, mean, right now in the way they're playing, I'm not sure he's going to experience that adversity. But uh, beyond that, no, I, I think he's going to ride out whatever happens pretty professionally just because, again, it, it, it would be silly of him not to especially when he's gone this far. And really, I mean, he, there are a lot of clubhouses that if you had added Manny after the trade deadline, I, they'd obviously take his production willingly because who wouldn't? But I could see some clubhouses, you know, players kind of being resentful of the Manny show and basically wanting to get away from it the minute the game ended. This particular clubhouse needed it, and I think they they really see Manny as a as a rallying force for them. And I think they want to make this happen as much as Manny. So I mean, at this point, unless Manny tanked it to the point where it was really just causing problems, I think right now the rest of the guys have enough confidence they could get they could maybe get by with Manny having a bad series.
1: Obviously, the younger guys look up to Manny, but how are guys like Jeff Kent, Derek Lowe, even Nomar? And Lowe and Nomar played with Manny in Boston. How are they reacting to Manny's arrival in Los Angeles?
3: Well, I mean, Nomar and Lowe were singing his praises before he came in. I mean, they they kept saying, everyone is trashing this guy, you know, in Boston. Wait till he comes in. You guys are going to see he's a great guy. He's a hard worker. And, you know, they actually were on board from minute one and kept talking about being excited. Um, You know, Jeff Kent is... I would not say necessarily a Manny kind of guy. Um, it's probably no accident that their lockers are not really close to each other at all, but, you know, he seems fine with it. I mean, his role, at this point, his role has been pretty reduced anyway, because he's coming off injury. He's not starting. And, you know, as long as they're winning, I'm not sure how much he really cares at this point, but more importantly, I'm not sure how much the Dodgers care what Jeff Kent thinks. You know, I mean, I, I'd be stunned if he's back next season. You know, and at this point, what do they really care? I mean he's he's a, a bench player. And he you know, he barely talks to anyone as it is. My
1: guest is Andrew Kamonetsky. He writes the Blue Notes blog for the LA Times. Go to the LA Times website at LA dot com. Go to the sports section and look for the Blue Notes blog. Andrew, uh this is a business show, so I want to talk a little sports business. I see Manny Number 99 jerseys everywhere. I see the Dodger blue do-rags. It looks like ticket sales are very brisk. I know that the day that the Dodgers acquired Manny, it was their single biggest ticket sales day in the history of the franchise. Talk about the business impact that Manny has had on the Dodgers.
3: Well, let me put it this way. When, when you see like 50 to 60 year old people running around Dodger Stadium in dreadlock wigs, <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say that, that in addition to sort of taking the city by storm, he's, uh, he's taking the, the McCourt's wallet by storm, A, as, potentially subtracting to it, depending on uh, where this plays out. Well,
1: so you bring up my next question. Obviously, there's a lot of people that have speculated that the main reason that Manny wanted out of Boston is he could opt out of his contract. Scott Boris is his agent, and the only way that Boris gets a commission on Manny is if he gets him to opt out and helps negotiate a new contract instead of just extending him with his option. So it's no secret at the end of this year, Manny is going to opt out of his contract. Will the Dodgers re-sign him how much do you think it'll take to resign him? And I would think with the Yankees opening a new stadium with Manny going to high school in New York that the Yankees are gonna offer some stiff competition.
3: Well, I mean, for starters, you know, I don't know if Scott Forrest would do all that. <laughs> He's never really seemed like a guy who would uh, try to do such a Machiavellian type thing.
1: Yeah, right. But uh,
3: yeah, um, I- I'm among the cynical there too. Yes. Um, in terms of re signing him, I think the Dodgers have to i mean for a couple reasons first of all if they don't re-sign him on you know as far as on the field they got to find that production again they have to find another bat it was it's pretty you know it's pretty starkly obvious how much different that team was with his bat and without it and i don't know if they're gonna be able to find a better bat from a pr perspective unless they that money that goes towards manny goes to, say, a CeCe Sabathia or somebody like that, I don't know how they can pull off not bringing him back. I don't know how they're going to be able to keep the fans from just being beyond livid. I mean, Frank McCourt and Ned Colletti would end up having to wear Kevlar vests for the next three years if Uh, they don't bring him back. Wow. I mean, he is enormously popular. I, I have, in the three years that I've spent covering this team and you know, the two or three years before that, being around them, various work my brother and I did for uh, ESPN magazine, I've never seen the stadium that electric during, as during his at-bats. I mean, it, it's there's an energy. It's literally like a rock star is taking an at-bat. And aside from the fact that I think that pays for itself, just it's going to be very difficult for Ned Colletti to – reassure Dodger fans that he really is the guy to be GM or that for Frank McCourt to reassure some of the skeptical fans that it's not just about the bottom line that he's not out in this just to make a dollar if they don't bring him back.
1: No, I agree with everything you said. I think the Dodgers have to bring him back for their credibility and and for PR and also for on-the-field performance. But, you know, I guess my other take too is that, you know, Manny kind of needs LA. LA is Manny's city. He can go and, and you know just kind of hang out, and no one's going to give him a hard time, and he can be laid back. It fits his personality very much. I would agree with that.: And here's a guy who leaves checks. He gets paid 938 thousand dollars every two weeks. He leaves those checks sitting in his car. To me, this doesn't seem about the money. it seems about Manny being in a city where he likes the city.
3: Well, I, I think it's a little bit about the
1: money. I, I mean Well, for Boris, it's about the money.
3: I I you know I mean I think a lot of athletes you know they often they often take money as a sign of respect and you know I mean Manny had talked before he left about the you know the Red Sox not valuing him not dis, you know disrespecting him and and along those lines it wasn't about money but I think these guys all sort of look for different ways to find themselves slighted I I, I would agree with you that Scott Boris cares about the money more I mean I I I don't care which of his clients you're talking about. Scott Boris cares about the money more, but you know I, I don't think Manny is indifferent to what they pay him. No, and I he was, jo- I, I he mean, was joking. I mean,
1: My point was this, I guess, Andrew, is that you know if the Yankees offer Manny twenty-two million dollars and the Dodgers offer him twenty, so all things being pretty equal, I think he'd rather be in LA where the media scrutiny isn't nearly what it is in New York instead of, you know, he'd sacrifice that $2 million for the more comfortable lifestyle in L.A.
3: That may be true, and, and I think he has enjoyed the L.A. media a lot more than he's enjoyed the Boston media. That being said, if the Yankees offer him $22 million and the Dodgers don't offer him 22000000 million, they're idiots. Right. I mean, they, there's no excuse for that.
1: Well, it should be interesting, and I really appreciate you taking time here on Sports Business Radio to just uh, kind of bring our national audience into Los Angeles and specifically into uh, the business of Manny Ramirez and the impact that he's had on the Dodgers since his arrival in L.A. on August 1st. It should definitely be an incredible NLCS to watch. Uh, again, you can go to the Blue Notes blog, go to the L.A. Times, LATimes.com, go to sports and look for the Blue Notes blog. Andrew, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio
3: absolutely thanks for having me
1: on you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, We'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com.
0: The website is
1: sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with our final segment on this edition of Sports Business Radio, Sprint Cup drivers Carl Edwards and Kevin Harvick were involved in an altercation on Thursday in the Nationwide Series Garage at Lowe's Motor Speedway. This, according to multiple sources and witnesses. uh, I guess Edwards approached Harvick in the garage stall that housed Harvick's number 33 Chevrolet and engaged in a conversation following what a witness called a heated discussion. Harvick turned to walk away, and Edwards grabbed him by the shoulder, sprung him around, and the two wrestled a little bit. Now, Nathan... This sounds like a much better fight and matchup than the MMA matchup that we saw between Kimbo Slice and Seth Petruzzelli, who, by the way, was a last-second fill-in to fight Kimbo Slice. And that event was on CBS, and it lasted all of 14 seconds. Well, that's because the NASCAR fight was actually a real legitimate fight.
2: I'm not taking anything away from MMA because I enjoy watching it, but I, I have this... Feeling that that fight was staged. This guy was an amateur compared to Kimbo Slice, and came in there and beat him up in less than thirty seconds. That's ridiculous. Twelve punches. Twelve punches done out. This guy's supposed to be the toughest guy in in MMA. I don't believe it. I'm I'm thinking it's leaning more towards professional wrestling now.
1: WWE. Well, Kimbo Slice is done. I mean, he's lost several matches now. You know, it's almost like. Uh, he was the Manchurian candidate. You know, he's this guy that was created to be uh, a big draw for MMA. He's been put on YouTube. He's been put on all these blogs. He looks like a weirdo. Oh, he's got he looks the maybe man. <laughs> he, he looks really weird. Um, and now he gets his rear end kicked in 14 seconds, 12 punches. I don't remember a boxing match, an MMA match, or anything lasting only 14 seconds. That's probably why MMA ratings on CBS are dropping as they are. want to thank our guest, Andrew Kamenetsky, with the LA Times. You should read his Blue Notes blog about the Dodgers. Just go to latimes.com. Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Our show staff, Nathan Roach. Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon protrade.com and evergreen media training a podcast reminder you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page you can also find us on itunes i'm brian berger enjoy your sports weekend and we'll talk to you next weekend right here on sports business radio